What's up, everybody? I'm Brett L. Pate, and I'm with Coach Bruce, and this is the Coach Approach. Here we are, week three, with the Yards Per Network. We got our third Wednesday night show. Coach, we're a little bit late. That's because you had the honor to uh, be on another podcast, promote our show a little bit, but also just talk about what went on in week two, what went on in week three. Why don't you tell us what show you were just on? I was just on with Jeff Lambert, Ryan Searfoss over at Going for Two. Those guys are absolutely outstanding. They do a phenomenal show. Go check them out. Uh, they actually are put out a ton of content. It's always great content. It's always stuff that you can have some takeaways that you can use for your fantasy teams in that current week. So love those guys. They do a great job and had a blast with them. That's awesome. And, I, you know, I spend more time um, – you know, listening to podcasts or reading content that I like to admit, but I do that mostly because I don't have, that's much easier to do than to put the time in to be an analyst, to put the time in to produce that type of content on a daily basis. So, uh, yeah, I've listened to those guys and I'll tell you, talk about two guys that you can tell really get along and it just flows really well with them. Yeah, they do a great job for sure. So that brings us to us this week. And, uh, you know, we both have uh, full-time jobs. We both have families. And this is the first week in a long time uh, doing a show that we didn't get to spend a lot of time together. So driving home, I was thinking, God, how are we going to have a show? And then I thought, you know what? If, if Bruce and I met at a bar tonight and we sat down and if I asked him a football question and he said, you know what? I didn't really put any time and effort in looking into this today. Uh, so I'd rather wait. No, we wouldn't do that. We'd still talk football. So we still got a show. So we're going to hit up with, uh, you know, all the injuries that we got to worry about. Ryan, thank you so much for tuning in. Appreciate you. Feel free to ask questions anytime. Coach Bruce has got all the answers. Um, but you know, we too, when we looked at the schedule Sunday morning, one of the things that we saw was that there were a lot of big-time favorites. You know, odds had a lot of teams favored by 10 points or more. And yet – the game schedule that week was pretty fun to watch. Oh, it was absolutely, I mean, it was a phenomenal week. I mean, you had some late comebacks. You had, you know, guys having career days. You had games that went down to the final seconds of the game, last play of the game, you know, to a certain extent. And what an unbelievable week two we had. And so it just gets you super excited. We were talking about in the last podcast, you know, how quickly the season seems to go by. And it's like you blink and all of a sudden you're in week three. Yeah, it does go real quick. I can't believe we've been yards per. We've been with yards per for three weeks already. It seems yeah. like uh, you know we just kind of flowed from uh, the cut to right over here, and we're right back at it. It's been nothing but fun. Um, one thing we do want to talk about, we want to be able to talk about and promote the fact that on the podcast every week on Spotify, Apple, and Anchor. Um, really excited about the different ways we can find us, and 
And I know you, Coach, uh, you're just a, a former high school football coach, very much like me, and, and who loves to talk football, whether it be high school, college, or the NFL. And this has been nothing but a treat for us both. No, absolutely. I mean, I, I think you and I could get on or probably talk football anytime, and we could talk whether it's high school, college, or the NFL, and just, just enjoying the game of football as a whole. And I, I think what's really neat about you and I put, getting together and doing a podcast together is we tend to look at things at a deeper level to help people win their fantasy leagues and say, hey, if you can understand schematically what teams are trying to do and, and what offenses are trying to do, they can certainly help you win your fantasy league on any given weekend. Yeah, absolutely. But And don't get me wrong, fantasy is such a big, integral part of my life simply because with the, you know, the amount of teams and the amount of time and effort I put into it, it's a hell of a hobby. I love it. But the bigger love is just strictly the NFL and football itself. And in fact, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going back to, uh, I'm going to high school game tomorrow. I know you went to high school game a couple of weeks ago. It doesn't matter the level. I just, I just love to watch and talk football. Oh, absolutely. So let's start talking about it. Let's move on to the injuries. Um, we're going to talk about the first one. You know, last week you kind of had an injury that, meant a lot to you as a Dallas Cowboys fan losing Dak Prescott for the foreseeable future. Now, if you listen to Jerry Jones today, he's talking about how they think he might be back earlier, but that won't be the case with the big injury that happened last week. Um, and that was Trey Lance going down uh, with a broken ankle. Uh, he's going to need surgery. They're also talking about a broken tibia. Um, so he's out for the year. And before we move on to the other injuries, um, that one hurts. And, and as someone who's been very high on, uh, you know, Trey's ability and Trey's future in fantasy football, um, it was easy for me to look at his numbers as far as how he tested and, and overlook other numbers like how many games he's played, uh, the level of play that he played in. And so when you heard the detractors of Trey Lance, talk about him. It was always, he hasn't had very much experience. He's not accurate. He's not this or that. Um, but the people like me who love Trey, it was all about, yes, while he's developing, we're still going to get the benefit of his ability to run the football. But now I am now concerned. Um, he's now looking at not being on the field now until year three. So that's three years of not being able to develop. We still aren't going to know whether or not he really can play. And, you know, it, it, it's worrisome. And um, for the 49ers, let's look at it in their point of view. Um, they're lucky they kept Jimmy G, obviously. But more importantly, one of the things that are very attractive about a young quarterback is the price tag in order to keep that quarterback. You look at what Russell Wilson did early in his career, he was able to lead them to a Super Bowl. And that's because they were able to spend so much money elsewhere because he was making a uh, you know a lot less contract than he is now. Um, and the same thing was going to be with Trey. But now they're only going to benefit from it for two years because there's a five-year window on that rookie contract. So, uh, yeah, I'm not feeling too good about Trey Lance right now. No, what's crazy about the whole thing, which you mentioned, the 49ers tried to do everything they could to create a trade for Jimmy G. And if he didn't have the off-season surgery that he had, I think there was some teams that certainly would have gone after Jimmy G, but there were some concerns with the uh, shoulder surgery. But 
Then you look now and you fast forward to, yeah, Trey Lance at North Dakota State. So you've already got one strike against you. You played in a, in a, in a basically sub-FCS school at North Dakota State. And now you finally you, you don't play your final year there. And you get one exhibition game, so to speak, at North Dakota State to showcase your talents. You get drafted to San Francisco. And now all of a sudden, you know, you couldn't trade Jimmy G. There's no value on the market for him. Teams weren't willing to spend. They were hoping you were going to waive him which wasn't going to make any sense and see if they could pick him up on the cheap and you end up in a perfect scenario. You know, unfortunately, as much as I hate to see Trey Lance get hurt, I'm also a big Trey Lance guy. I would have loved to have seen what he could have done in a Mike Shanahan offense or a, you know, a Kyle Shanahan offense. But unfortunately we don't get to see that. So now enter Jamie G, which I think brings up the level of Brandon Ayuk. When you look and see what Jamie G and Ayuk did towards the end of last season, you look at what George Kittle and, and, and Jimmy G did last season, and you look at what they did with Debo. Uh, now that Elijah Mitchell is hurt, I think the San Francisco offense becomes a little bit what we saw. We kind of know what we're getting, right? You're getting what you saw towards the end of 2021 in a team that made a playoff run and beat the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas in the first round. So it sucks for Trey Lance, but it certainly rejuvenates the career of, of uh, Jimmy G. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out the rest of the season. Yeah, I totally know where you're going with. I, I I would not be one who would say as much as I love Trey Lance and think that he would be great for the organization if he was playing. I, I agree with you. Jimmy G is better for them right now. There's no yeah. other way you can spin it. But when you think about what the organization invested in Trey, he needed this time to develop. And, and I think they would have been okay not going quite as far as they could have with Jimmy G, knowing that they're putting time in the bank for trade to develop and next year you're looking at a whole different scenario. Well, now you're looking at your 2024. So it, it, it's not a good situation, but we, we can talk trade all night long, but we better move on to the next big injury. And we don't really know where he's at because there's not a lot that came out of it, but James Conner uh, left the game with the Raiders. Uh, Daryl Williams came in, uh, played a lot. Uh, but wh where do you see that offense going if Connor can't go this week? Well, I think an answer to the question, you had people going back and forth in the fantasy space about, you know, is it going to be Darrell Williams or is it going to be, you know, Benjamin out of ASU? And being an Arizona guy, a guy that's a fan of ASU football, um, obviously I watched, you know, Benjamin quite a bit in college. And I felt like there could be an opportunity for him in this offense, but I also felt like when they, they ended up going and signing Darrell Williams, there might be a problem there, but it, it's frustrating to see a guy like James Conner. Now, he hasn't been – he's been getting a little bit of volume, but his efficiency has been really bad. And so you look at this and you say, hey, is there an opportunity now for more of a scat back, not an in-between-the-tackles type guy like an Eno Benjamin or Darrell Williams to get some opportunities in that offense? Cleve Kingsbury, I, I have no idea what he's doing offensively. If you watch the Cardinals game, which I do – um, it's very difficult to understand what he's trying to do schematically. I feel like the longer he's been in the NFL, the worse his offense has gotten. Um, with a quarterback like a Kyler Murray that can that can use his legs, but um, who who knows that offense? I mean, God, I wish I could tell you, hey, go out and get Darrell Williams. I think he's the guy. I think he should be the guy. I think that's why they went out and got him. But you've also seen Eno Benjamin get some touches too. But I would still lean for Darrell Williams. But it's going to be interesting to see what that offense looks like moving forward. Yeah, I mean, if you're talking about waiver wire pickups, if I'm looking at either one of those guys that you mentioned and Benjamin or Williams, obviously I'm picking them up. But if I mean, if you're in a sleeper league like you and I both in a lot of our super flex leagues, you're talking about a two-man roster. 
if Keontae Ingram out of USC is available, I, I'd pick him up because, man, it's such a fickle position, the running back spot in the NFL. And, man, they keep coming and going week after week because of injuries, and it can never hurt to kind of be there before the rest of the market gets there. Let's move on to another one. And, and this is um, a tough one. We also don't know what it's going to mean towards uh, this week's game, but Denver Bronco wide receiver Jerry Judy, he left against the Texans after the first quarter, and it's expected to be, or it was, or is, a shoulder injury, but we don't know much more than that. Um, obviously, if you're a Sutton manager, this is good news in that regard, maybe. I hate to call any injury good news, but um, what are your thoughts as it relates to fantasy? You know, I think it's interesting because all offseason you had the debate between the Jerry Judy truthers and the Cortland Sutton truthers, right? And we felt like the the the, disc, the 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 one thing about the Denver Broncos offense, if you look at how Seattle was based, based on Russell Wilson, if you want to talk about let Russ cook, Russell Wilson loved to throw the deep ball. He loved to throw outside the numbers. He loved to attack defenses vertically. But if you look at Nathaniel Hackett, he's more of a, hey, let's take that intermediate backside dig, which is prevalent in the NFL now, where it used to be a frontside dig. Now you see more of the backside dig and more of the intermediate attack in the middle of the field. Not necessarily a strength of Russell Wilson over the early parts of his career. So it was always interesting to see what is this offense going to look like with Nathaniel Hackett. And you can look and say after two weeks, it looks like they have no idea what they're doing in Denver right now. Um, Cortland Sutton, I always felt like was the better talent between him and Jerry Judy. It felt like Jerry Judy was that that slot type receiver, get him the ball quick, get him involved in the screening game, get him involved in the RPO, give him an opportunity to get you know yards after catch, whereas Cortland Sutton was more of the vertical type receiver like a DK Metcalf that right. Russell Wilson loved. So I felt like Cortland Sutton was the best fit in that offense, but we're going to find out. I mean, this week is going to be, look, Denver's offense does not look good. Nathaniel Hackett completely botched, I think, week one, kicking a 64-yard field goal with a minute plus left. It's not, not calling a timeout to put them closer to field goal range and, and completely botched that. Admittedly so. He came out in a press conference and admitted that. So it's going to be interesting to see what the what the Denver offense looks like. It, it still feels like it's the Russell Wilson you had in Seattle where Pete Carroll did not want to let Russ cook. Right. It's a whole other situation where they're trying to put a sure. square bag in a circle. And I'll tell you, though, I mean, you get – I listened to a fantasy analyst not a couple, I mean, it must have been a couple of years ago, but basically he talked about if somebody continues to struggle with different systems, you got to start thinking that maybe there's a reason related to the person, not so much the system. So I'm getting a little concerned about Russell Wilson's future. I don't, I mean, right or wrong. I mean, there's been struggles for the last few years and whatever it may be, it, be, it gets worrisome when it goes from, one place to the other because nobody expected it to. I think everybody thought we'd see a lot more out of that offense at this point. But we can talk about that one all day long, but let's go to another injury. And this one, once again, affects your Dallas Cowboys. Um, yeah. Essentially, he was not in the team's game when he drive. He went out with a knee injury. Uh, we don't know, again, much like Jerry Judy and James Conner, these could be situations that, you know, Sunday morning we find out they're in which would be great. But as of right now, it's not looking good for Dalton Schultz. No, and, that, and that's tough. I mean, you picked up Jacob Ferguson. I like Jacob Ferguson. He was, he's been involved. He's getting, getting out on the field more as an inline tight end. 
He does have some receiving upside. So I think if you're in deeper leagues, you're in tight end premium leagues, you know, Jake Ferguson is not a bad guy to go out and pick up. I like his athleticism. I like what he can do in terms of the passing game. But um, when you have Dalton Schultz, he's been reliable. He's played well for you over the last two years. You end up in a situation where, look, Dallas likes to run outside zone action, bootleg, and Dalton Schultz has been a big beneficiary of that in that offense. And so now you take Jacob Ferguson, you say, hey, here's an opportunity for you. I mean, we, we're, we're down to Michael Gallup's not ready to come back yet. Jalen Tolbert's been inactive, um, which is crazy. They're obviously not seeing what they want to see out of him in practice. They're going more with Noah Brown um, and, and C.D. Lamb. And so now, look, you've got an opportunity for Jake Ferguson to step into that offense and see what he can do if Dalton Schultz can't go. I think he's got some talent, so I'm looking forward to seeing what that offense looks like this week against the Giants. I'll tell you, if there's any team that's snake bitten right off the bat, it's certainly the Dallas Cowboys, but it was nice to see, I'm sure for you, to see Cooper Rush. Nobody expected them to win last week, not against a team that was in the Super Bowl a year ago, but somehow, some way, they got it done. So I'm sure you're happy with that. Um, and, and it's a great segue because we're going to talk about MVPs, and right now, Cooper Rush might be your MVP. Uh, but for the MVP race, if you look at the favorites right now, you got Josh Allen, and how good did he look last Thursday? Holy smokes. Excuse me. It was last Thursday, was it not? It was, and he looked very, very good. Yes, and then you got Patrick Mahomes, and then you got Jalen Hurts, and I say, and then you got Lamar Jackson. So those are the four guys right now. Of that group, um, I'll tell you what, what I saw Monday night out of Jalen Hurts, um, that offense, you know, I wasn't – you were a believer right from the start. I picked the Cowboys to win that division before Dak got hurt, obviously not after. Um, but seeing Jalen and the capacity that they have him in that system, seeing Miles Sanders being able to find big lanes because they have to kind of – I mean, he was – he looked accurate. He looked good. So seeing Jalen Hurts up there – he deserves to be up there right now. No, Jalen Hurts got, you know, 69% completion percentage. He, he's projecting 4,800 yards passing and 1,200 yards rushing, which we've never had a quarterback in the NFL throw for 3,500 yards and have over 1,000 yards rushing. And if you look at Jalen Hurts' projections right now, if you ask me, as good as Josh Allen has been, if the Eagles continue to win games, and I think now with the injuries they've had on the offensive line with Dallas and what they've got, I'm still waiting on the receiver room for Michael Gallup to get back. Jalen Hurt, I mean, it, it, it's very, very possible that the Philadelphia Eagles are representing the NFC in the Super Bowl. He's absolutely phenomenal. And it, that was the big question this offseason was, we know what he can give us in the run game. He can run for 1,000 yards if given the opportunity. It was going to come down to, can he make the throws in clutch situations, in obvious passing down situations, can he be accurate? Can can command the offense? Can he get through his progressions? And Jalen Hurts is showing that he's that guy. He's he's that dude. He put a ton of work in in the offseason. And I'm a, as a Cowboys fan, it's very hard, right? Because we're always at it seems like we're at odds with the Eagle fans. But now is the time for Eagle fans to be extremely excited about what they're building in Philadelphia, both on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball. If you ask me to catch a vote right now, I would still say Josh Allen, but Jalen Hurts is a very close number two. You know, the funny thing is, is that they have so much draft capital when they took them for the second pick with different trades they made. And so now they're sitting here looking at a what a lot of people think is a stacked 2023 draft. And yeah. if they don't have to, because 
Every year since they drafted him, they said, if he doesn't work out, we can use one of the two picks we have in the first round next year. Well, they didn't have to do it in 22, and it certainly doesn't look like they're going to have to use any one of the first rounds next year in 23's draft. So that's just going to be more ammunition for them to get even better. Yeah, I, I, God, that's what's interesting about right sorry, now what's going on. Sorry to tell you that. No, I think you're 100% right. And it, it, it's look, here's the thing as much as I love the Cowboys, and there used to be debates between Eagle fans and Cowboy fans, was Carson Wentz versus Dak Prescott. We know how that played out. Dak is clearly the better quarterback. However, he's hurt. Carson Wentz is balling out with the commanders right now. But if you ask me right now who had one of my franchise when Jalen Hurts and, and Dak Prescott, as much of a Dak Prescott fan as I am, what Jalen Hurts can give you, huh? The upside for the Philadelphia Eagles right now behind that offensive line, they brought in A.J. Brown. They've spent money on the defense. They got Jordan Davis. They've got N'Kobe Dean. They brought the defensive back from the Saints. Man, I love, from a pure football standpoint, what the Philadelphia Eagles are doing, how they're building that roster. Yeah, you got to be pretty happy if you're a Philadelphia fan. But we're going we're gonna to use that to segue into a different type of list. So we just got done talking about MVPs. Let's talk about people – Man, you got to be worried about if you're a manager. And, and that's pretty much, we're going to start off with that Bears offense. I, I saw something about Justin Fields. And I, the sad thing is, much like Trey Lance, the sad thing is, we still don't we have in Justin Fields, whether that be the lack of talent around him or whether that be the fact that in two games, he's had like 28 pass attempts. How is he going to develop, not utilize, I'm not given an opportunity. To, to give it a shot. And, and then you got Cole Komet, who's currently on a pace, who have zero catches for zero yards and zero TDs for the year. And then you look at Darnell Mooney, who was everybody's Twitter favorite, along with, you know, Gabe Davis. But all these guys are doing nothing right now. And if you got them on your team, what are you doing? What, 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 what can you do? No, and see, that's the hard part right now. Like, Justin Fields is QB 23 almost by default, right? Like, you have 32 quarterbacks in the NFL starting, and somehow Justin Fields is QB 23. He's only completed 53% of his passes. He's thrown for 191 yards, two touchdowns, two picks, and only six first-down completions. And I think what's interesting about Justin Fields is if you take his numbers, he literally is averaging seven and a half completions per game, 14 attempts per game, in 95 and a half yards per game. Like, you feel like, are we talking about running backs or are we talking about quarterbacks? Like, 95 it and a half like, yards per I mean, game? I came from, you know, we're both former high school coaches. I, I When I was the head coach, we ran the triple option a lot of the time. I'd be happy with those numbers. But then 10 years later, when I was the special teams coordinator and I was the wide receiver coach, we went to a spread. I would have hated to see those numbers. This is the NFL. It's not a high school triple option team. Let the guy play. Well, here's NFL stands for not for long. You keep playing like that, right? I mean, that's what's interesting. But I think you use that with Matt Eberflus and what they're doing offensively. But if you project Justin Fields' numbers out for a 17-game season, he's going to pass for 1,624 yards, 17 (laughs) touchdowns, and 17 interceptions. It would literally be the worst season for a 17-game starting in the modern era of the NFL. It can't, That's how bad it is. 
It is bad. And so who thought it could get worse after Matt Nagy? Who right. in the world thought it could be worse after Matt Nagy? But at the same time, what did they do to help him in the offseason? They brought in a receiver, drafted a receiver the same age as you and me. They they did nothing other than bring Brian Pringle in in free agency. Um, Felix Jones. I mean, well, that's what I'm saying. He's the receiver they drafted that's the same age as you and me. Um, yeah, and then because of it, because of it, teams are able to defend Mooney to the point that he's been a non-factor. Again, it's hard to be a factor when you're throwing the ball 28 times in two games. But we spent way too much time on the Bears' offense because it's not worth even. So, but if I've got any one of those three guys, I'm holding. But I'm certainly going to put someone else in the lineup. If I've got yeah, there's no trade there. value for Darnell Mooney or Colton no. Matt. There's zero trade Hold value right now, so you're definitely Hold holding. Yeah, I sent an offer today. Someone put Justin Fields on the block. I sent an offer of a 24 first. I was denied, and that's fine, but I was just going to just see what Hold on what a they second. Think. You were denied a 24 first for Justin Fields? Correct, in the Superflex. Wow. I mean, I still believe in the talent, and the kid's still young. I don't yeah. necessarily think he's been given a great opportunity. And, and listen, if I trade a first-round pick in a, in a super flex league, 90% of the time it's going to be for quarterback because that position, hey. that league is so fickle. We talk about running back being fickle. Quarterbacks in a super flex league in a 12-team league, if stuff happens like Trey Lance going out last week, and I had to make a lot of moves this week to – you know, overcome that, you know, a 22-year-old quarterback like Justin Fields for a 24 first seem okay with me. Hey, I had Justin Fields ranked as my QB2 coming into the draft. Ohio State, Ryan Day, runs a pro-style offense, right? It was the best situation for him. I felt like from a talent perspective, he just, unfortunately, a terrible landing situation in a franchise that has not done anything to help him out from an offensive line standpoint does not have the weapons and the skill players from a receiving perspective standpoint. Yes, you have David Montgomery. But if you want to talk about Chicago Bears and Justin Fields in a nutshell, it's fourth and inches. You put Justin Fields in shotgun and run a quarterback sneak into the interior of your offensive line, and you right. don't get it. That is the Chicago Bears in a nutshell. How you don't run David Montgomery, who's got 122 yards rushing in that game, or how you don't do something with jet sweep motion, right? Something to get the defense to tip their hat and tell you what they're doing. Um, tells you a lot about where the Chicago Bears offense is right now. Yeah, it's not worth even. We've spent way, much, too, way too much time talking about it. We have. And, and we you have. know, we were going to talk about what do we do when Russell Wilson or Albert O. But we spent too much time talking about the Denver offense. Um, let's move on to a big one that I know you were involved in a little debate on Twitter about, and that's Kyle Pitts. And, and here's yeah. what I'll say as far as my thoughts on Kyle Pitts. Um, I don't have any shares of Kyle Pitts. He's not on any of my teams. Um, but that isn't because I've never believed him. That's because I never had a pick in rookie drafts high enough to pick him. And then once rookie drafts were over, the cost to acquire Kyle Pitts was so much that I was never able to to make that happen or not willing to pay that price. But people who have him, what are they doing right now? Are you worried as a Kyle Pitts owner? You know, it's tough. I got I got into, a, as you mentioned, a little bit of a debate yesterday on Twitter and with a very, very good friend of mine. 
And I think what's interesting is if you take, first of all, I thought Arthur Smith was a great hire by Atlanta. What he did in Tennessee with 12 personnel, if I could run a lot of 12 personnel and you would get an opportunity to get, you know, Kyle Pitts involved. He's a 6'6", 245, sub 4, 540 guy. And we want to continue to line him up as an X receiver or a Z receiver. Why we don't use him similar to the way that the Raiders use Darren Waller. You can use him as an inline 10 in off offset in an H back role to create free releases or create mismatches with a tight end. I'm sorry, with a outside linebacker or a nickel corner. And instead we want to continue lining up outside against a number one or number two corner. So just the way that Arthur Smith is utilizing Kyle Pitts is absolutely makes zero sense to me. And it, it, it tells you that Atlanta has no idea what they're doing schematically. It's like, are we trying to tank for CJ Stroud in the draft? Or are we trying to tank for a number one quarterback um, in the NFL draft? Because it doesn't make any sense the way that Kyle Pitts is being utilized. The talent is obvious. His athletic profile is one of the best is the best you've ever seen for a tight end prospect, but they don't they don't use him in a way that absolutely takes advantage of mismatches. And so it's it's almost like it sounds bad to say this, but it's almost like you feel like you and I as high school offensive coordinators. If you put me into an offensive coordinator situation with the Atlanta Falcons, I feel like I can understand how to use Kyle Pitts better than Arthur Smith does right now. And this is a guy well, that, that coaches at the pro level. That's how I think it, it's absolutely a travesty the way he's been utilized. I can't argue with the inline stuff because, first and foremost, you drafted him the fourth pick in the draft when you had a need long-term at quarterback when there were a lot of great, great quarterbacks in the draft, first and foremost. Secondly, what was the second thing you did? Second thing you did is that you're not utilizing what's what, – what are we doing here? I mean, if you wanted the blocking guy, get Pat Fairmouth, get – get anybody, but they're just not utilizing his talents. But it's hard for me also to play devil's advocate. If they're so bad offensively in the way they're coached, why are we seeing such great things out of Drake London already? Yeah. Well, I think that's it, right? Like Drake, Drake London was the first wide receiver off the board, although I think Garrett Wilson to me was graded as a higher prospect, but you felt like the landing spot was not bad because you felt like Drake London and Kyle Pitts could create some great opportunities in that offense. But then you went out and you got Marcus Mariota, okay, who has had success with Delani Walker when he was in Tennessee. So you felt like, hey, it's not a bad fit from a tight end perspective, but it's not a great fit in terms of if I'm trying to get Drake London the football from a vertical concept, although he's been the wide receiver one so far this, this year. But it just doesn't make any sense what Arthur Smith is doing in Atlanta and how he's utilizing the, 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 the only thing I will give him credit for that he's done well is he's untapped Cordell Patterson. That is the only thing that I could say Arthur Smith has done well in his two years. There's one year and two games with Atlanta is he has found a way to use Cordell Patterson and that's it. Yeah. Uh, Cordell Patterson, look, let's just give that guy's props. I mean, how old are we talking about? They talk about running backs not being relevant at the age of 30 or some even say 28. Derek Henry, a lot of people are worried about him right now. But here's Cordell Patterson. I know he's plus 30, and he's putting up great numbers. Maybe it's because he didn't position much. But I'll tell you what, that guy has been nothing but fun for fantasy owners the last two years. 
Oh, for sure. Week two recap. Now we're going to talk about who did better on our picks on Sunday's show and we give all our picks. So we'll, we'll have the whole totals on who did better between you and I, but let's just kind of get into it real quick on the big things that we saw last week. First and foremost, we've already talked about Philadelphia, but I, I was really high in Minnesota and I know Kirk Cousins has all those issues of playing on uh, Monday night and so forth, but the performance of Philadelphia and that entire offense last week was pretty impressive. And your pick of them, I mean, you were spot on, and, and that, that was one hell of a performance Monday night. No, I, I think that, again, you look at week one and against the Lions, and they gave up a lot of yards. And Jordan Davis is playing his first NFL game. Nicobe Dean, first NFL game. There's been some personnel things you had to kind of figure out with Nick Sirianni, what they're doing, you know, from a, a standpoint in the first week. The first week's always weird, but – this is that game. It's like Kirk Cousins, 2-10 and 10, all-time in Monday Night Football. He's got the worst record in NFL history in Monday Night Football. He goes 27 for 46. Threw the ball 46 times for only 221 yards and three interceptions. It, Philadelphia it was absolutely balling out, but when you're going to give them an opportunity to create turnovers, you know, Justin Jefferson coming off the game, nine catches, 180 yards in week one. He ends up with six catches for 48 yards. Philadelphia is dialed right now. I mean, that, that's a team right now that I would tell you is the last team I would want to face right now. Yeah, Even over Tampa Bay. You know, yeah, so no, I totally agree. They've got, you know, we always talk about this at the high school level. they got athletes all over the field, and they do. And, and you so it was nice to see Devontae Smith get involved because game one, zero catches for zero yards. Game two, seven for 80. He didn't get in the end zone. But he's too talented to not be involved in the uh, box score. Hey, you got to let's, let's stop real quick. And why don't you answer this question for us? We got a big one. It's a start Justin Herbert, Amari Kamara, Aaron Jones, Cook, Sutton, Samuel, Cowboys defense. Uh, 14 man advice or trades. <laughs> There's a lot to pack right there. We might have to get back on that one. But first and foremost, I would be looking for a tight end. I can tell you that right now. If that's your starting tight end, you definitely need to be looking for a tight end. No, I think that's the biggest takeaway here, right? I, I think when you talk about the New York Jets and what they're doing, you know, uh, it's easy to look at Joe Flacco and say, hey, he's throwing the ball 50-plus times a game. And Tyra Conklin right now has been the tight end one in that offense. So I don't necessarily hate Tyler Conklin, but at the same time, I understand what this offense is probably going to look like when Zach Wilson returns. I do love Curtis Samuel. Uh, obviously, I'm a big Brandon Cooks guy. I love Aaron Jones. I'd be looking to trade him, Alvin Kamara. I think he's hit that AJ Pex. He's down dealing with a rib injury. If I can get Alvin Kamara and get rid of him and, and create some value, especially at the wide receiver position or a young running back that has upside, like I think a Travis Etienne that hasn't been used well so far this year, is a good long-term pick there. Um Obviously, your bench with Joe Flacco. You've only—I'm assuming this is a one-quarterback league. We don't know that. We got Justin Herbert and just Joe Flacco at the quarterback position. Um, Joe Flacco's got maybe a couple more weeks before Zach Wilson comes back. Um, Chase Edmonds, uh, great in Week One in terms of usage, but Week Two they tend to lean towards Raheem Mostert. Mark Ingram is getting old, but he's a good handcuff for Kamara right now, dealing with the uh, rib injury. So that—that that would be my suggestion right now. You do have Hunter Henry, who is not. What's crazy about the Patriots is, man, now that you have Matt Patricia calling the offense and now that Josh McDaniels is gone, 
Hunter Henry had a great year last year. John o. Smith is a guy that creates yards after the catch. They have no idea what they're doing in tight end position. So I would certainly be looking to move right. off from Hunter Henry. Um, so, but in 14 man advice, I, I would tell you the first thing is see if you can trade Alvin Kamara, get a younger running back. I don't know if this is redraft or dynasty. So we're taking a shot. Right, that's but, huge. Yeah. yeah I, if we're talking redraft, I don't know if I'm, I'm, if I'm trading Kamara. If we're talking dynasty, I'm all for what you say. Trade get as much as you possibly can right now. Yeah, I mean, your your guys are hitting that A.J. Pex. I still love Aaron Jones, even at his age, age right now in the Green Bay offense and how they're utilizing him. We got to see that, obviously, this week. But Kamara's a guy I'm certainly looking to move off, move off of. But I, I would differ, uh, Brett, just in the case of Alvin Kamara right now because of the rib injury and how inefficient that offense has looked in, in New Orleans. I don't think he's the same guy he's been over the last couple of years. So I'm a guy that's probably a little bit lighter on Kamara, and I'd be okay if I can ship him and get – you know, a Brees Hall, who hasn't got a ton of volume yet, but I think he's ready to pop. A Travis Etienne, who I think could have an opportunity to pop. I'd be okay trading him for one of those two guys. And I think long-term over the course of the season, you're going to win out. So that that's the advice I'd give you, Chase. Hopefully it works out for you. Appreciate you, Chase. Come in anytime, man. We love to have the questions. Um, let's pivot off of Philadelphia and let's move on to, you know, I got the, you got the Philadelphia-Minnesota pick right. I got it wrong. Let's move on to one where I got right. And you got wrong. How good did the Dolphins' offense look last week late? I'll tell you what. If you are not a believer in Tua after that performance, I don't know what he's got to do. Yeah, he he was absolutely unbelievable. Was I don't I don't have the stats in front of me. I think it was like four hundred sixty nine yards and six touchdowns. But six touchdowns, yeah. Yeah, you had, um, I think it was Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, both 11 catches. You had about 370 yards receiving between the two of them. Absolutely unbelievable the way that Tua looked in that game. And I think that was the one knock on Tua is can he create opportunities in the vertical passing game? He's efficient from the short to intermediate. But I felt like he took that next step in the progression. I love what Mike McDaniel's doing with that uh -huh. offense. Um, I thought it was interesting how they used Chase Edmonds more in week one, but Raheem Mostert more in week two. And I think Mike has proven we're going to feed the hot hand. We're going to go with what makes most sense for this offense. So I'm excited about what they're doing. But, God, man, that was such an unbelievable game to watch. And Lamar Jackson is back. You didn't see him run right. as much in week one. All of a sudden he goes for 100, 100, I think it was 119, 129, somewhere in there. We have a 70-yard touchdown run. What a fun game to watch. I'm, I, I will say, I think you got to pump the brakes a little bit after week two. The Dolphins have a much tougher matchup going into week three. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how they, how, they, how they rebound back from a game that was so good in the passing game and what that looks like in week three. It was fun to watch for sure. You talk about Waddle and you talk about Hill. Those guys, and you talk about Kaseki. You know, we wrote him off for dead last week. He's got this incredible catch for a touchdown in the back of the end zone. Didn't have the greatest celebration, but hey, let him do what he wanted to do. It was crazy. It was fun to watch for sure. Hey, he's uh, six six, another, and he's he's an athlete, so you know he hey, is an athlete. I mean, if you want to watch fun high school film, go watch him play football or basketball in high school. That guy is yeah. most and volleyball, right? Isn't he a great volleyball player too? Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, hey, let's move on to another team that a lot of people thought, especially uh, after watching them on Hard Knocks. Uh, but that offense performance by the Lions for the second week in a row, that was a big win for them last week. No, it was a huge win, and, and I think the Lions are for real. Um, I think the Lions have an opportunity to get in that 8-9 
win category this year. It was one of my bold predictions. I think when we talked about that before the season started that I think we didn't get to on the show that, that week, but I love what they're doing offensively. I think the tough part for the lions is defensively, you got to stop the opposing team to give your offense an opportunity to win some games. But yeah, very, very exciting game. I'm excited about Amonra St. Brown. I'm excited about what they're doing with DeAndre Swift. I think TJ Hawkinson. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see where they're at when Jamison Williams returns. I think TJ Hawkinson becomes a third option in that offense. Maybe not. You know, he already is. He's team. not. I mean, do you yeah. have Hawkinson much on, on many rosters? Because he's not doing what a lot of people expect when you pick him where you had to pick him. Yeah, I, I wasn't as high. There's a lot of people that had had Hawkinson in the top five. I think it looked at his athletic profile, his age, and but I think we're missing what Amonra St. Brown did towards the end of last season. He drafted Jameson Williams, what DeAndre Swift can do in the passing game. And I think people just were a little bit too overzealous with TJ Hawkinson. I think the reality is that, you know, he probably he could finish outside the top ten in, in terms of tight ends this year when Jameson Williams get, gets back towards the end of the season. So I'm, I'm not necessarily high on Hawkinson. Not that I don't think he's a good player, but I think he's in the wrong system right now to be, to be relevant. It's sad. <laughs> I know you and I are in a couple of leagues together. I know one of them I have Hawkinson, and I'm pretty sure I took him like in the sixth round. So it's been a little disappointing so far. So far. Uh, moving on to week three. Week three, we got a lot of big games right off the bat. It starts tomorrow with one of the biggest rivalries you're going to see in NFL history, and that's Steelers facing the Browns at home. Uh, Starting sit, we kind of briefly got into it earlier uh, when we talked prior to the show, and, you know, it's pretty cut out with this one, isn't it, Coach? Yeah, I mean, for the Steelers, I'm not starting anybody outside of Deontay Johnson and Pat Fryermuth, and that that includes – now, again, we could talk about Najee Harris. You know, he's not getting the volume he got last year. He's got the Liz Frank, they call it a sprain, right? Liz Frank injury with the foot. I think as a running back, when it's so important, your ability to cut and make people miss, I'm just not super excited about Najee Harris. So depending on if you drafted him before his rookie season, you got him probably early, you got him very early in the rookie draft. But depending on what your current roster looks like, if I've got other options, I'm probably not playing Najee Harris this week. But if I drafted him this year, based on last year's performance, he's all volume, right? But from an efficiency standpoint, he doesn't look great on paper. But if you drafted him high, you're probably forced into a situation where you got to play him. But, you know, that's the only people I would start for the Pittsburgh Steelers is going to be Deontay Johnson and, and Pat Fireman. And for Cleveland, all we're going to start is both. I'll start both backs. Running backs. And I'm starting to Mark Cooper. Mark Cooper, yeah. looked really, he looked like the receiver of old last week and then that guy there's not many better route runners than amari cooper now if amari cooper can get the volume he's he's going to be good right i mean there was times when he was with the dallas cowboys the problem with amari cooper was he wasn't afraid to take himself out in third down situations he almost saw him run off the field and ask for somebody else to come in and there were times where you felt like amari cooper disappeared during during big moments but uh, from a talent perspective look who else is Jacoby Brissett going to go to in that offense? Donovan Peoples-Jones, David Njoku, Harrison Bryant? No. I mean, Amari Cooper is the clear number one option in that offense. So, I get it. Here we got a question for Josh P. right now. This looks like, if I'm looking at the roster, it looks like a uh, old-school one-man quarterback league, 12-man. Um, and we've got Mahomes, 
Aaron Jones, Michael Carter, AJ Brown, St. Brown, and we got Logan Thomas. Um, just looking from what I see, uh, I, I might like Stevenson a little bit better than Carter. I think as the season plays out in New England, you're going to see more and more of Stevenson kind of taking over the number one back for New England. And even though New England has been notoriously not great for running back situations, I think he's going to be better long-term this year than Carter because I think as the season go on, goes on, Carter is not going to see as much volume of Brees Hall developing. What are your thoughts on this roster, Coach? No, I agree with you 100% on, on uh, Brees Hall and Michael Carter. I think Michael Carter, because he's been a year in the league, and I think the Jets felt like, hey, let's give a guy who's been in the league for a year and, and played a pivotal role for us last year as bad as it was. Michael Carter got the opportunity to start, but – you're starting to see Brees Hall now get more in the mix. I think talent's going to overcome that situation. So I do think Brees Hall is the guy. Reminder Stevenson to me, especially if we're talking about Dynasty, is, a, is the running back to own in New England long term. If we're talking about redraft, Damien Harris is still obviously getting the, the opportunity and the goal line touches. But I think what's really cool about this team, and this this goes into my, my belief in a one-quarterback league, is he only has Patrick Mahomes. He doesn't have a second quarterback on his bench. Right. I love that. I love yeah. that because you build up other positions at the running back, wide receiver, tight end position, guys that could potentially play every single week. As long as you got Patrick Mahomes, I don't need a QB2 until Patrick Mahomes is on a bye week. So I love what, what Josh is doing here. In terms of trades, if I was looking at a weak point there, if you've got guys that think Michael Carter is going to be the guy with the New York Jets because of volume over the first couple of weeks, that's a guy that might look to trade. If you're looking at A.J. Brown, love A.J. Brown. I'm definitely holding A.J. Brown. I love Amon St. No. Brown. I think Logan Thomas, even though he's 29 years old, ex-quarterback out of Virginia Tech, um, I still like Logan Thomas and the Carson Wentz offense. He loved, he loved to throw to tight ends when he was in Philly. So I like that. I like Jeff Wilson in San Francisco right now. It's going to be interesting to see how that looks long term. Uh, but I like your roster construction. I think, I think the tough part for me is – I don't love McCole Hardman, but I don't know if there's a lot of trade value for him. Right. I don't love Nelson Aguilar, but not a lot of trade I, I value. Look, I look at this roster, Coach, and here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking I'm not going to make any trades because you're not going to trade Mahomes. I wouldn't trade any of his receivers. Those two receivers, that's a hell of a lineup right there. And then anybody else on your roster, it doesn't have enough value for me really to get much out of it. So what I would be looking to do, this looks like a small roster. There's got to be – Look for some waiver wire acquisitions of running backs that hit late. If you can get a TDP up in um, San Francisco or even get a Mason in San Francisco, look for backs that may hit late. Go ahead and ride out Michael Carter or Stevenson for a few weeks, but look to upgrade, see what's on the waiver wires, try and get yourself a back. But I'd kind of leave the team alone. I like that team. Yeah, I would be afraid to look at McCole Hardman. Again, depending on the waiver wire and what's available, I'm not a big McCole Hardman guy in terms of that offense. Well, that's the guy you would cut if you're going to pick up a back. Yeah, he's to take the top off guy, so if there's some better opportunities right. out there on the waiver wire. But as far as trades, I, I'm with you, Brett. I don't I don't know there's a whole lot that I would do. Aaron Jones, especially in redraft, I love Aaron Jones. I've got him slated for 1,000 yards receiving in some of our bold predictions. Obviously, Mahomes speaks for himself. A.J. Brown has been absolutely awesome. I was concerned about A.J. Brown going from Philadelphia, going from, I'm sorry, from Tennessee to Philadelphia because, again, another offense that likes to run the football. But the way that they're utilizing A.J. Brown, absolutely love it. So, Josh, I like your team, man, to be honest with you. 
PJ, one more question for you, Josh. Should I drop Schultz since I have Logan Thomas? I wouldn't. I would keep them both. No. I would look to drop. I, I would drop one of the receivers prior to dropping one of the tight ends. But that's just me. So. Yeah, no, here, and here's the tough part about the question is, 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 hey, first off, I like Schultz over Logan Thomas. I'm dropping one of them is Logan Thomas, but I understand the question because Schultz is coming off a little bit of an injury, but my question to you would be Schultz is a play every single week depending on who's on the waiver wire, and Logan Thomas is that guy based on matchups. You might say, hey, this particular team doesn't play well against tight ends. Maybe Logan Thomas is the guy to go with this week. This week could be that week because of Schultz's injury, but – Long term, I think Schultz is the better play. So I wouldn't drop Dalton Schultz because you have Logan Thomas. If anything, it's the opposite. If Schultz shows that he's healthy this week, um, I, I would drop Logan Thomas if I'm going to drop one of those two tight ends. I'll tell you what, Coach, for a show that uh, we weren't sure good, we certainly did get it off on time, but that wasn't too bad. Hey, Coach. No, hey, and what I love is, is when you guys are in the chat and you guys are asking questions, man, that's what makes uh, Brett and I very, very happy is getting an opportunity to help you guys win your league. So join us again every Wednesday. Usually it's at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. This week we had to go at 7.30 because I had another obligation uh, before the show. But we love the questions. Keep firing those. Keep joining us every single week, and, and we'd love to help you guys win your fantasy leagues. And we'll be right back at it Sunday morning, 9 o'clock Pacific, 12 o'clock Eastern, talking about start sit, looking at all the inactives for the day, and then making our own picks against the spread. No, Sunday show is one you don't want to miss because we do literally get into every single matchup on the Sunday slate. We don't get into the Monday night football game, but we do get into all the Sunday games just to make sure we've got enough time in just 30 minutes to cover who's injured, who's active, who's not, who should start, who should sit. So please join us on Sunday morning at at 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for 30-minute show. That would be 9 a.m., but nevertheless, uh, we, there you go. There you, I mean, you were late today. It sounds like you're about ready to make precedent and just do that every time. Cheers to all of you. Coach, Coach appreciate you. Everybody, we look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it.